Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome to episode 13 of Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. My name's Chris Lawson in the UK, and I'm joined from Philadelphia in the States by Samuel Moni. Say hello, Sam. Hey, Chris, how are you, sir? How's your week been? Good, good, yeah. Been a bit of a crazy one, and it doesn't feel like um, two minutes since we recorded the last episode. Well, absolutely not, so we better get on with this week's episode. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely should. So so this was a two-parter. The first one was looking at the, the metrics, the, the ones that we felt that any business couldn't do without. Um, we came up with eight. We, we were aiming for seven categories, but we came up with eight. Um, we'll see whether that comes back to haunt us or not. But the first one, uh, was around business performance, ensuring that you've got the key drivers of growth. Uh, CPA, cornerstone of an acquisition strategy, if not the whole strategy. Measuring behavior change, that was one you felt passionate about, wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, that was a big one, so we spent some time on that. Yeah. Customer satisfaction, making sure you find and can identify your evangelist. Brand equity and health, being clear about your purpose, values, and making sure your authenticity comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, retention, something we've spent a, a while on on a number of episodes, measuring that lifetime value and beyond. And internal organization and culture, working on your capabilities first. Mm-hmm. Again, another passion center for you, eh, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. We spent a lot of time. So dig into episode 12 if you want to hear the juicy details of how we brought that to life. Yeah, good, good, good. Absolutely. And finally, the conversion funnel, measuring right from the top of a funnel through to measuring that customer experience. So this episode is going to focus on what do you do with all those metrics? How do you measure success, tools of a trade, and some of the pitfalls to avoid as well, and innovative approaches to measuring success? But look, I think an interesting thing is that I've spent a lot of time in large organizations where a whole week, if not more, could be spent preparing the KPIs and then another few days presenting them. Um, That can be part of a regular reporting cycle uh, on a monthly basis or certainly on a quarterly basis if if you're answering to shareholders. Um, And you have to ask yourself whether if we spent a week's resources and week times Mm -hmm. however many analysts in delivering, whether we would actually move faster. And are KPIs there to make people reassured that something is going on or are they actually there to drive the business? Right. Um, I think, interestingly, at the opposite end of the scale, you, you get organizations that focus on one or maybe three key metrics and you you actually... Underneath that, of course, you're going to get some teams where they will go into that in more detail. But having that one to three mm-hmm. key metrics really helps to keep the organization focused. Uh, almost becomes a mantra of just one thing that you're focused on or, or at least to have mm. as your North Star. But again, yeah. that's all very well if you can simplify your business down to that. But you know, some businesses are complicated or cover various different parts of a value chain and you can lose some of their detail. So I think we recognize that the best practice is somewhere in between. And KPIs are there for reassurance, an early warning system, to allow you the space to get on with the job in the first place. Um, 
but I, but I think it is it is a challenge. You you have to keep reflecting and looking at whether your KPIs are doing the job that they should do, and and KPIs evolve wherever you are in that business life cycle as well. I think um, a fan, uh, certainly over here, uh, Brewdog. Brewdog over in the States, Sam? Uh, tell me more. Tell me more about them. So, so Brewdog started out as a, you know, a very sort of passionate sort of craft beer, now now okay. getting absolutely huge in um, the UK and, uh, and I think sort of definitely international expansion. Um, if they're not in the States, I think they, they will be soon. Um, but I think what, what I wanted to focus on was that the... Uh, the uh, the uh, chief executive started sort of Brewdog with this uh, great phrase: "Don't start a business, start a crusade." As a sort of a clarion call, um, his name's sort of James Watt, and he was a co-founder of Brewdog. And and what he wanted was that that was a you know uh, the clarion call to sort of the next generation of young entrepreneurs looking mm-hmm. to create that sort of disruptive startup. And and that focus on culture, passion comes out clearly. Um, and and what what he said, what his um, clarion call was for Brewdo Dog was to to make other people as passionate about great beer as they are, and and again that that for me is a is a really strong rallying call, and and I like that. And if you can get that coming through, that's brilliant. But but the interesting thing is, how do you how do you keep them honest around that? How do you actually measure that? And I, I bet that's a great KPI pack in itself. And I, and I was reading a job description of a planning analyst at Brewdog. Always a great source mm-hmm. of information, by the way, if if you want an insight into a company. And that planning analyst had very clearly sort of number one or number two in that sort of job description was you own your numbers and use them to drive improvements within your role and across the business. And, I, and mm-hmm. I think that's key for me. There's no point having all of these KPIs if you can't do something about it. And that, if right. they're too detailed or too vague, it doesn't do anyone in favours. So so I think owning your numbers, giving yeah. the, the listeners a first step in how you pull that together and how you own the numbers is, is critical, Sam. Um, so so what, what's the best dashboard you've seen in action and, and why did it work that w- so well? <laughs> Great question. Yeah, great question. The the best one I've seen was, firstly, it was a one pager. And it was something that everyone pointed to. So when you asked for it, everyone referred to the same document, and they all showed you the same thing, which was a winning start for the, um, from the beginning. Often, people are scrambling, it takes two weeks, and then you get five or seven or 12 different things coming back. So it was one document, it had six drivers, and included... It included the internal uh, team and culture and mindsets metric in this scorecard. And that brought a smile to my face. It kind of lifted me up, lifted my spirits because I thought, ah, there's something they're doing special here because they've already got that on there. And so the six metrics that they had on on their scorecard was financials, market share, brand, innovation, which basically we talked about in the last show, communications, and then team and culture. So they had those sort of five or six in there. Um, but what it was, what was apparent was it meant that the discussion wasn't led by finance or supply chain. It was a forum where multidisciplines had a role and were expected to deliver and participate. So PR, communications, innovation, HR, they were all valued and included in whatever forum 
discussion, meeting to, to talk about the scorecard happened. It forced the scorecard and dashboard not to be all about numbers. Now, it kind of sounds um, sort of counterintuitive to say it's not all about numbers. But yes, there are a lot of numbers in there, but there has to be room for qualitative discussions and the behaviors and mindsets that can't always be crunched in a spreadsheet and given a number or given a percentage. The interesting thing is the team and culture measures included things like manager excellence, regretted losses, departures, which was great. So people leaving the organizational, uh, um, they, they were tracking that as a metric of sort of retention of loyalty of engagement. Um, employee engagement was another one. So those measures were all showing up in that scorecard. And there was an, another one in terms of if you know what skill or development areas you as a team need to invest in in order to achieve that growth, why wouldn't you have that as a metric? So again, the development capability was in there and they were measuring themselves against it and they were they were holding themselves accountable and you asked me i think the question you actually asked me was why it worked <laughs> um and i think it worked because it got the whole company to see to see one thing to refer to one thing and all have it front of mind and it was in one of the markets um, we operated in within an organization that i was uh, working at and it was interesting because there was some resistance to the idea so it showed up in pockets of the organization and sometimes at the highest levels there was resistance that this was a more democratic mm. scorecard that was more inclusive and it was less you, cfo wasn't driving it or you know supply chain leader wasn't you basically had to bring every to the table and you had to work in a collaborative yeah. way and so for me that's why i loved it and that's why it works so well in that geography because everyone owned it and once everyone owns it clearly everyone's driving to the same same mission and same agenda yeah trans transparency collaboration and and ownership again yeah all coming through how about you chris then so i mean look as a similar theme i think mine was a one-page dashboard um used at the guardian to, to look at daily sales um, it, it, it would look at competitor share year on year, week on week, month on month trends for both physical and the digital product. But but it was a commentary that brought it to life. And and I think it's a important point that a lot of this is not just mm -hmm. around the numbers. It's about the interpretation and how you energize that as well. It was uh, the presentation of like, the performance manager was a guy called Simon Doggett, um, very uh, charismatic guy uh, who was a performance marketing manager. And he pulled it together. And the key was that 80% 80, 80 of his preparation time was spent externally exploring competitor and market mm -hmm. contacts to bring the picture to life, not internal navel gazing. It was then that ability mm -hmm. to deliver the news in a 30-minute flat session with the editor, with the deputy editors, um, me as a CMO and a variety of other people, that made it so powerful. It was that short timescale. And I've got to say so, um, though, that a simple produced visual interactive dashboard is the key um, whatever the market or whatever the company uh, inspired entertainment we had to produce in insight for about 20 countries around the world and umpteen partners so this was a a huge reporting pack in in some shape or form and they had an excellent team of analysts and data scientists 
headed up by a friend of mine, Nick Medarata. Um, um, he now owns Med Analytics. And it was a difficult role in a really challenging environment. But what he did well and continues to do well is, is bring that data to life again. It's simple KPIs should tell a story and be enjoyable mm-hmm. to look at, not that heart-sagging moment when you look at a page and think, what am I meant to be looking at here? Mm-hmm. So it's back right. to that same theme that we talked about before. Metrics are one thing, but it's the inside that needs to go with it that's important. And, you know, full disclosure, uh, Nick's a friend of both of us, isn't he, Sam? He is indeed, Mr. Menorata, great friend and great at what he does. So I love I love the the stories you're telling about how he brings it to life and makes it actionable for yeah, people. Yeah, and, and, you know, we're, we're clearly not doing that for a round of beers because he doesn't often buy one. Um, and in fact, we, <laughs> we go out of our way not to compliment him too much. But, but it, it's a, it's a no. good example of actually someone who is passionate about their trade. And, and I think you, you look for that in your teams. You look for people that enjoy what they do. And, and again, relating that back to what we talked about last week, performance marketing managers that are focused on those funnels that actually enjoy looking at statistics and, and understanding whether they're going up, down or sideways is an, as an important part of the metrics itself, I think. So, yeah. One last theme is up to that personality to bring the figures to life. And back to the brew dog example, it's your job to own the, the figures, I think. And, and therefore, individual marketers should create their own KPI set that they use to run their own job as well. And, uh, and I think right. sometimes it, it's amazing delving in, having conversations with some of your team members about what do they use to track. The informal measures, I think, can be quite powerful as well. Um, so, so Sam, that that I think is a um, pretty important sort of set of uh, um, principles to adopt to to make sure you got best practice. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you've, you've you've kind of laid out some good sound principles out there and helping us go a bit further. I, I as you know, Chris, I often talk about the how is as important as the what you do. And so I'll go in a bit deeper and there's a few further actions I think people can take when putting together their measurement approach and plan. First thing I would say is ensure that there are actual linkages throughout the metrics you choose, which sounds obvious, but often you... You're struggling to link one number to another mm. number to another to another number or to another decision. And so if you have a business target with sales or pounds or dollars, whatever they are, or a market share of you know five percent or ten percent, then you need to know what the behavior change is to drive that. So if it's a million dollars, then how many people and how much are they spending to get you to that million dollars? And if you can't really calculate that, or if you're not sure, or you don't have any evidence or data of what's driving that, then you probably need to think again and go back to the story, um, the starting point. So, you know, no matter what you have, can you see the linkage between them? So it's less about reporting the number of of impressions or the number of click-throughs. It's more important to explain how they link to what the shopper is actually doing or what the next page that they should see on the website should be or what information you need to show them when they click on it should be. So those are the, that's what I mean by the behavior change and the linkages. And the second one is to tighten the metrics as you go along so that you can leverage data to drive your decisions. What that means is you don't need to have all the answers and be precise or perfect right away. As you build more evidence or more explanatory factors, then use that data. But the point here is is that you're, you're measuring and bringing in the evidence 
via a real source. You're mm-hmm. not making it up or guessing. Or if you guess from the beginning, if you're still guessing three years later, no, that's <laughs> not a good thing. So what data supports yeah. that opinion? Thirdly, I'd say, especially for larger organizations, you need to ensure there's cross-functional contribution. And you mentioned that earlier. But do, Everyone needs to contribute to defining the metrics. I've been in so many situations where different teams have their own spreadsheets or sources of data. So so everyone's got metrics and everyone's got their spreadsheet and everyone's got their file. And so now you've got eight different versions or seven different versions all in the silos and everyone claiming they have the numbers, but not once have they sat down and tried to link them up or join them together. The breakthrough comes when you actually get together, compare, discuss, debate, and contrast. You don't have to agree but you have to align behind a decision. And I'll repeat that. You don't have to agree, but you have to align behind a decision. And then the fourth one is keep it simple. So we've talked a lot about different ways and different approaches. In the last show, we talked about seven or eight measures. And again, reinforce some of them here in different scorecards. I talked about one with, with six metrics. But if you keep it to a one pager and as few as possible, then it can work. You know, I've been in, in organizations when uh, there's, I've counted, I think you mentioned earlier, Chris, there's at least 30 different drivers, 40 drivers, 50 drivers on the one page. And well, let's say, I never actually Mm. saw updates to the scorecard because it was a paper exercise and no one wanted to update it because it was so hard and so impossible to actually track everything. So if you've got 50 things you're measuring, and unless you're on, you know, you're Uber or Google or some super duper company with lots of resources, you probably have, well, if you've got 50, you've probably got 40 or 43 too many metrics yeah no i think i think everyone can identify with that one and i I think you've also got a you need a forum to ask for fundamental question that you can't do from reading a um, kpi pack or a metric pack straight from a page And, and that question is why you know market share is up or cost per click is down so often we sit in those meetings where we're listening about performance and thinking about our section and what we're saying next and we we nod sagely or shake our head without thinking why mm-hmm. and and don't stop at that first answer ask why again at least another three times before you get to the the, the nub of it i think mm-hmm. so my top tip is create a forum to mm-hmm. debate performance and the metrics not just to receive them and that can be a 15-minute stand-up it doesn't have to be a a long meeting but you've got to challenge them and really get to what it means google analytics i think is is a great example of a sort of reporting suite that has grown and grown and grown is it's intuitive it does a great job in allowing you to understand what's going on and do your own investigation facebook analytics also is strong Although some of the measures, I think, are a little bit more difficult to get your head around and, and see how they apply, um, but but it makes a lot of sense. And there's a, there's a number of different sort of, sort of quasi sort of measurement, quasi sort of testing platforms out there. Hotjar, I think, is a good example of a tool where you can evaluate and look at that conversion funnel um, and, and is very, very metrics heavy and increasingly used by a number of startups and scale-ups that, that I'm working on and, and uh, quite reasonable sort of pricing as well. But let, let's not forget good old Excel. You know, I mean, God knows how long mm-hmm. Excel has actually been around these days, but but it is incredible powerful. And, it, and it's a little bit like how, you know, that, that great adage about how the iPhone of four or five years, um, years ago could have coped with launching the first man into space. And, and the humble Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. can still be integrated effectively and, and give you a pretty good 
clear dashboard and it can cope with a huge amount of data. So, so before you're sold your data warehouse solution and a reporting suite, I think it's, it's important to, to have a look at what you can do. And, and, and there's a lot of skills around which can do that um, you know, quite effectively, certainly more effectively than building a great data warehouse and reporting suite. So, uh, so look what you can do using the free, the startup orientated tools or the, the, um, you know, the classic sort of bedrocks. And, and yeah, you know, look, Google Sheets will, will do a similar role, but I still think that probably needs a bit of work to make it as user friendly as Excel. Yeah, building on the, the freemium or the free software out there, I, I tend to use Google Trends to settle arguments or, influence people. We've all been in meetings when the most important person's been spouting off about something with no fact, just opinion. So if you want to quickly regain control of the conversation on what to call a product or what flavor to launch or what's popular with your target, you can quickly go to Google Trends, see what words or topics people are actually searching. I always, And I always love the search and SEO folks in companies. They usually have a wealth of data and insights behind them. So that's a quick, tri- quick trick there or tip just pull up google trends sell the argument and and move forward bring data to that opinion party and thinking ahead then you know there's a quote from tanya joseph who's at nationwide building society and it stands out to me because she said marketers need to make sure they have set aside enough money to provide the evidence and insight they need to deliver impactful campaigns confidently and consistently and i fully agree so you need to be asking yourself questions such as do i have a tool in place that will actually Mm -hmm. measure this am i willing to fund a new tool to capture this lift or this change will this plan be successful if this if this is the only metric that i move and so if you don't have plans in place to track it then is it is it a good metric are you going to fund it if if not probably not a good metric to pick i'll give a shout out to one of the tools that uh, for the metrics that I've I raised for brand health and it's uh, it's called brand asset valuator it's a methodology a methodology I've had a lot of success with relating to to brand health and really does a great job of putting real data and actionable attributes and insights and elements that you know into branding that helps you figure out how to meaningfully differentiate and what's relevant or not to your consumer in relation to your brand and category. Um, another tool, which was more of an approach for the internal cultural metrics I've talked about, would be simply leveraging annual awards aligned to the principles or the values. So make the annual awards a really simple process. So the formal to submission process is just a one pager at best. And the entry could include things like what was done, how it was done, you know, collaboration, insight, et cetera, and what Im- impact it had on business results. So those are a couple of ways or a couple of methodologies or resources, I'd say, to help you actually measure your yeah, yeah. marketing um, metrics. Impact, so critical there. So when we talk about a modern day marketer's dashboard, Sam, I see it as something that is real time, it's responsive, it can bolt into a number of systems and measures, it's visual, it works on mobile, and it can be shared. And it should include every everything from our desert island last mm-hmm. week. But but you want the individual channel owners to be passionate about the KPIs as well. Um, so, Sam, look, we're running out of time. So, just before we end, um, you know, the uh, uh, the um, one of the things that we said we were going to cover the killer KPI quiz time. Yeah, I set you some homework. One killer KPI that that you like a lot. What what is it? And what does it mean? And let's try and do this in a in about a minute. Well, hopefully you've you've heard from my sentiment throughout this show. It's called report and react, report and react, and it's as simple as it sounds. So for everything actually in the dashboard, scorecard, or spreadsheet, 
Is there truly a process to regularly report and analyze it for insight and accountability? So basically, what action's been taken and by who? <laughs> You'll be surprised when you ask that question, there's silence yeah. or people looking at each other, but no one's actually owning the measure. So report and react is yeah, my nice, one. Nice, nice like that. Mine's lifetime value divided by um, CAC, which uh, I'll come on to talk about what the, the CAC stands for in a second. Um, the 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 lifetime value, that's basically the, the average revenue a customer is going to make over their lifetime, as simple as that. And, and you divide that by the, um, the, CAC, the CAC, the cost of acquiring a customer. That's all your marketing costs and expenditure divided by customers. And why it's really strong is that it gives you a ratio, a really simple indicator, and it, and it demonstrates a, a good measure in terms of like your marketing investment based on, on how much revenue you're going to get over time. Three, three over one is good. Four over one is even better. If you're getting sort of five to one, you can probably mm -hmm. invest more to grow faster. And so it's, a, it's back to one of the, the principles we talked about early on, mm -hmm. that uh, that back of a packet analysis so then you've got a simple measure and you can delve into that a little bit more right. detail so so that would certainly be my one so bring us home sam great three key takeouts and reflections awesome. of today's session the first one i'd say it's you need to have one team collective buy-in and the inclusion of everyone in the process of pulling together your metrics second one is insight and action is critical so not just about measuring it, but you need to actually translate that, those, that data, that information to insight and then take action on it. And the third one simply is a journey. You need to have a point of view, but it's about continuously improving. Don't seek for perfection. It's about progress, not perfection. So having a point of view and going through the journey is critical in this process. Yep makes a lot of sense and i think if i was to add one more on i'd probably don't disregard the human aspect of having a strong met, uh, metrics pack as well bring that information to life by storytelling make it energizing and exciting either visually or or um, by telling the story so next show we're going to tackle a huge subject concerning the industry right now. And, and that's about can advertising and marketing regain trust with consumers? How do you operate in the absence of trust? Um, you know, there, there's variety of stories that we we'll look at. And how do you fix that and win consumers' trust back? And which brands are living up to that gold standard? So a bit of change of direction, but I'm really looking forward to it, Sam. I think it's going to be great. Absolutely, Chris. I can't wait for this next episode coming up. We better get to it. So until next week, have a good week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe, or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment, or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.